I'm Erin. I'm Sarah. I'm Megan. And this is the Tribbles and Transporters podcast. You could write about something in science fiction. So I dreamed up the Star Trek idea so that I could comment on man and society. The whole show was an attempt to say that humanity will reach maturity and wisdom on the day that it begins not just to tolerate, but to take a special delight in differences in ideas and differences in life forms. You know the greatest danger facing us is ourselves and a rational fear of the unknown. There's no such thing as the unknown. Only things temporarily hidden, temporarily not understood. Open your mind to the past, art, history, philosophy, and all this may mean something. There comes a time in every man's life when he must stop thinking and start doing. Fear only exists for one purpose, to be conquered. We're going to stumble, make mistakes, I'm sure, more than a few before we find our footing. But we're going to learn from those mistakes. That's what being human is all about. The heart of real science fiction is stories about people and ideas. Because it says it's not all over, it's not going to go up in smoke, we're going to make it. Because it says the human adventure has just begun. Welcome to episode 57 of the Tribbles and Transporters podcast. We are your three Trekkie gals who grew up in the 90s and fell in love with Star Trek for many of the reasons you just heard. And even though we consider ourselves Trekkies, there is a lot of Star Trek we've never seen before, which is why we're going to cycle through all the episodes of the completed series, learn about some cool behind-the-scenes stuff, and talk about our reactions to each episode. We're also going to tackle topics within the Star Trek universe and do interviews with occasional guests. In today's episode, we are talking about The Enemy Within from the original series. Now, if you're listening to us for the first time, we want to let you know very quickly who we are. My name is Erin, and I am the resident Voyager fan on the podcast. That is my favorite of the series, although I have seen uh, all of the of TNG, DS9, uh, Voyager, but I had not seen any of Enterprise until we started watching it for the podcast. My name's Sarah, and TNG is my uh, main squeeze, I guess, when it comes to Star Trek. When it comes to the original series, I've just seen uh, some of the episodes. The vast majority of the series is new to me, and I had not seen this episode before, so this was my first time watching it for this uh, podcast. And my name is Megan. I'm the resident Deep Space Nine expert on this podcast. Um, also love Next Generation. I've seen all of uh, Deep Space Nine. I'm fairly positive all of TNG, all of Voyager, and the first couple seasons of Enterprise. Um, and then through the years, I've seen um, episodes of the original series. This episode is actually one that I had not seen in its entirety. I've just seen clips from this episode over the years so it was fun to actually watch the episode to see these clips from where they see the context of these clips that i'd seen over the years 
All right. So before we get into the episode discussion, I'm just going to let you know really quickly what to expect over the next hour, hour, 15 minutes or so. Um, we're going to start with the music challenge, as we usually do. Then we're going to give you a really quick recap of The Enemy Within, just kind of reminding you what it's about in case you've forgotten or haven't seen it before. Then we'll go to our What Did You Think segment, where we give you our very quick takes on what we thought about the episode. Then we'll do our episode quiz, where we quiz each other on how closely we were paying attention while watching. Then we'll do a, a little bit of behind-the-scenes discussion, uh, uh, like guest star discussion, and then get to the actual episode discussion, and then your listener feedback. But first, we are going to do the music challenge, and this is the portion of the podcast where I play a quick clip of Star Trek music from somewhere in the franchise, and Aaron and Megan have to identify where it comes from. And this is just our little homage to Star Trek music because we love it. We think it's some of the best music out there in film and television. And uh, I always enjoy trying to stump them on this. <laughs> so <laughs> if you guys can play at home, see if you can get it before they do. And uh, you guys ready? Ready. Uh, we'll give it a go. All right, here we go. Bewildered silence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was very repetitive. Very pretty, but very repetitive. Yeah. There are a lot of places that could show up. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking newer Trek. I mean... I, my initial, like, in the listening of that, and I have not seen any of this, was Discovery. And I don't know why, but that yeah. was like, Discovery. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I could totally see that fitting in Discovery. I was trying to think if it could possibly go in Picard, but I have the soundtrack to that, and I, I don't recognize it, but that doesn't mean it doesn't come from there. I also have the soundtrack to Prodigy, but I haven't listened to it enough to rule it out, and I don't recognize it as part of one of the, the Kelvin movies. Yeah, my instinct would be to say possibly Discovery as well. Hmm, really interesting. It's not from Discovery, but I had a feeling you guys would guess that. Hmm. Well, it's it's of the style of newer Star Trek. Like, I, I yeah. don't see it, it. Well, I can pretty much rule out the original series. Mm -hmm. um, doesn't have the right sound. Right. It could possibly come from some of the the later 90s series but i don't think so but i have been massively wrong before <laughs> <laughs> well i'll give you that it's not from the original series i think that's pretty obvious so yeah yeah just not the right it's not even the right like suite of instruments right maybe from nemesis maybe <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I, I know. can see where that could be used in that, but I I don't know. Is that a guess, Megan? Or are you that's just a guess? Out loud? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, that's a guess. Uh, it's not from Nemesis. 
Yeah, I do not know the TNG movie soundtracks well enough to uh, to even guess one of those. I'm wondering if maybe it's from Picard and I am not recognizing it because it seems like the right um, the the right feeling for Picard. Okay, it's not from Picard. Okay, I had a thought and then I got derailed. Was when Aaron started talking about Picard. And I don't remember what it was. It sounds like it's something that could have come from Voyager, maybe. And they had some pretty intense episodes. Yes, for sure. Is that a guess, Megan? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I can't, if it is, I sure can't narrow it down for beyond that. But sure, yes. Okay. It's not Voyager. Oi. Is it just some, like, general thing? Because you've done that before, too. Is it just, like, a general? general? Yeah, like, when you played just, like, a general Romulan piece of music the one time. Oh, no, it's from something specific. Oi. See, part of me wants to, is wondering if they've released any of the music from Strange New Worlds yet. Because it definitely could come from something like that as well. Is that a guess? <laughs> I can't tell if you guys are just pondering we're, we're being things non, or non-committal. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll make that my guess because uh, it, it's I'm I'm just searching for things that fit the mood of that piece. Yeah, it's not from Strange New Worlds. Okay, you've recently done one from Prodigy, but you could do it again. Is it from Prodigy? Nope. I'm just gonna be generalizing our guesses. Here's mine. <laughs> Enterprise. Is it from Enterprise? <laughs> yes, it's from Enterprise. Ah, okay. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea where. Don't I? I, I got nothing on that <laughs> beyond the show. Yeah. Well, we haven't gotten to it yet. It's uh, in season four of Enterprise. Oh, so you know, I was about to ask: Is it from a season of Enterprise we haven't watched yet? <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be most of them. So yeah. <laughs> we're just barely into season one at this point. So yeah, yeah, it's from a uh, season four episode called Affliction. So okay, I listened to several tracks of Enterprise before I found anything that didn't sound like just generic violin playing. <laughs> 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 Yeah, but I agree with you. This was very modern sounding for Star Trek, even for Enterprise, I thought. Yeah. Although Enterprise really does kind of, well, it's kind of the the gap bridger because it was the last series we got before Star Trek kind of had a, a hiatus in the middle. Um, and now we're in this new resurgence of Star Trek. So, um, yeah, I, I thought it was really cool. Well, Enterprise actually wasn't that... Not far before the JJ movies came out, you know, because it is only like a four year gap between them. Mm. It seems like way longer than that. But it was does. it really? Yeah. Yeah. Enterprise ended in 2005 hmm. and JJ's movie came out in 2009. So, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. It, you know, it's, it's weird thinking back on it because everybody's like, there's this huge gap of no Star Trek. And I was like, well, it's only four years. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it wasn't that long, actually. So, yeah. It, uh, apparently it felt much longer to everybody it did i think because nobody liked enterprise when it first came out and so they weren't counting it maybe mm. um yeah i think that and the fact that so many of the other series overlapped with each other yeah. so you never had a period of no star trek at all and so then we went into that time where there was just nothing other than reruns Mm -hmm. so maybe 
just it felt like forever for those of us who are big fans. So it was a strange new world <laughs> with no Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> A transporter malfunction splits Captain Kirk into two halves, one meek and indecisive, the other violent and ill-tempered. The remaining crew members stranded on the planet cannot be beamed up to the ship until a problem is fixed. So what did you guys think? Well, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Uh, I have to say that even though I thought the story of this episode was good... I didn't really enjoy it. And I think part of that was the problem that I know a lot of where Star Trek ends up. So I kept thinking, well, why don't you just do this? Oh, right. It's the early season original series and they haven't come up with that yet. So um, I think part that was part of it. And the other part of it was um, just, just some of the odd things that I was like, okay, well, didn't anybody notice this? Uh, so yeah, it, it's good story, but not my favorite original series episode. I'm in agreement with Aaron with this. I saw what they were trying to do with the story and this whole like good versus evil thing that we all have inside of us, but I feel like they didn't really capitalize on it very well. And I'm not really sure what the episode was supposed to be about, actually. (laughs) Um, Yeah, there were just things in it that bothered me. And I thought it was a very, very mediocre episode. But now that you say, Aaron, that you didn't really enjoy it, I think that kind of describes my feeling about it, too. I wasn't going to go that far with it, but I just kind of feel kind of meh about it, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. I'm not going to say I didn't enjoy it. I did find it a little odd that it's like one of the top favorite of the original series episodes that people, when they rank it, I will say for William Shatner, this was probably a great, this was a great episode for him, um, Mm. for him to play two polar opposites of the same character. But overall, yeah, I, I had a really hard time with how Spock was acting in this episode. Yeah. I had a hard time with like, why we can't do certain things yet. And then like the same thing that Aaron struggled with of going, Oh wait, that doesn't exist yet. So it's just um, an issue of us, you know, looking back on this early um, part of Star Trek, I think Um, I'm not going to say this was a terrible episode. The poignant moments and the clips that are pulled from this are really good. It's not, it's not an episode that I'd want to like, okay, I have free time to watch Star Trek. Let me watch this one. It's not one that I would go back to to watch again. All right, so now it is time for our quiz. Got you pay attention. Write down all those star dates. No more than a hidden. Which of the hosts knows more about the show? Now, the quiz is where we ask each other five questions to see which of us was paying the closest attention while we were watching the episode. You can play along with us by keeping track of your score and letting us know how you did over on our social media. And then after the quiz, we are going to have a listener question that will be posted on our social media pages. And if you answer that question and get it right, you just might get a shout out on the podcast. 
So the host leaderboard right now, as far as who has won the most quizzes, I have 17 quiz wins, which seems crazy. Um, Sarah has <laughs> four and Megan has seven. I'll just have 10 more to catch up with you. <laughs> <laughs> it just seems really weird that it's that many, but anyway. <laughs> Okay, so the way the quiz works is we will each take turns asking our questions. Uh, we have come up with five questions each, and the others have to answer them. And the way we determine the order in which we ask our questions is I have a uh, physical six-sided die in my hand, and I will roll for our turns. So I'm going to go ahead and roll. And Megan, you get to go first. Oh boy, you lucked I get out. To ask my questions first. <laughs> I'm so excited. We we were joking beforehand that Megan better go first because she uh, was struggling to get her questions on this I one. I was. Y'all yeah. have no idea how excited I am to go first. <laughs> okay, question number one. Uh, in the beginning of the episode, as Scotty is beaming up uh, Fisher from the planet, something goes wrong with the transporter. In troubleshooting, Scotty gives a strange order and or names a piece of gear. What was that? Um, yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. I think I read this um, during the prep. <laughs> I just don't remember what, the, <laughs> what it was. <laughs> well, there were a couple of things said in there. I'm not sure exactly which one you're referring to, but... It, it caught my eye because I actually watch with the subtitles on so I mm -hmm. can can catch a lot of the words and it was spelled strangely um, it was cadular engagement yes yeah that's I was like what is that <laughs> I'm gonna write that down and ask a question <laughs> all right question number two um, in that same scene Scotty orders Wilson to go get a piece of gear to check the transporter before beaming up Captain Kirk. What was that piece of gear? That was one of the other things I wrote down from that scene. To check Captain Kirk? Mm-mm. No? What was to the check question? the transporter. Oh, so, to check the transporter? Yeah, Scotty orders Wilson to go get a piece of gear to check the transporter before beaming up Captain Kirk from the planet. Oh. He leaves the transporter room to go get what piece of gear? Transporter scanner. That's all I got. I don't know. I'm just, I, I'm just making stuff up. I have the synchronic meter. That is correct. Question number three. And sticking with this, we later in the episode um, hear what Wilson's rank title is. What is it? That I do not know at all. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't pay attention. I'm just going to throw out lieutenant. Uh, I'm going to say technician. Um, Aaron, I'll give you half a point uh, because his it is said as uh, transporter technician Wilson. So okay. I'll give you half a point. Aaron's cleaning up already. <laughs> <laughs> as she tends to do. Hence, <laughs> she's 17 wins. Question number four. Um, how many times in this episode is a star date mentioned? What the heck, Megan? You didn't even prep your questions. <laughs> and you're... Apparently, I took good notes. <laughs> Which I didn't think I did. Three. I'm trying to count in my head, and I want to say four. Neither one of you are correct. Okay. It's five. Uh -oh. I was going to say, did we get the number in between? Is it the number in between? But no. <laughs> yeah, always... we, did, we didn't go one on either side of a number yeah, right. this time. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Question number five. Uh, towards the end of the episode, the evil Captain Kirk orders the helmsman uh, to set course for a different place. What was the name of that helmsman? Oh, the name of the helmsman. I'm zero for five on this one. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> if it's the, the guy I have, it was Feral? That is correct. See, I have the advantage of having uh, notes on the guest stars, so. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right, so the end of my five questions, Aaron has three and a half, and Sarah has none. And I have none, because they're my questions. Okay, well, you, you just happened to uh, ask questions on things I had notes on, so I think I just got lucky there, so. Wait, um, how many pages of notes do you have? Like one and three quarters. Okay. Yeah, I'm not. I didn't have like 17 pages of notes <laughs> this time. <laughs> oh, oh goodness! It keep this dice wants you to keep going, Megan. I mean, I can come up with more questions. <laughs> no, it's not good. Not good for me. <laughs> well, Sarah, what will be good for you is you get to go next. Okay, we'll see about that. <laughs> Uh, question number one. In the uh, opener of the episode when Fisher Beam's back, which of the six transporter pads is Fisher Beam back on? I'm I, looking for direction on the transporter pad. The front left. Yeah, I'm thinking if we're... So we're facing towards the, the transporter pads. I was yeah, going to say... If you're looking at the transporter pad, which one is yeah. he? I was going to say front right. Okay, Megan, since... Is that what you're saying? Like, if we're looking at the transporter pad, it's the front left? Uh-huh. Okay. Aaron's correct. <laughs> Dang it. Of course she is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, question number two. In sickbay, when Kurt goes to get the bottle of brandy and Bones opens the cabinet for him, we see two bottles of, I'm assuming, brandy there. Which of the bottles does Kurt take? The one on the right or one on the, on the left? The one hmm. on the right. I also think it was the one on the right. Okay, you're both correct. Alright. Alright, question number three. In Yobin Rand's quarters, we see how many paintbrushes on her desk? Oh, I didn't even notice the paintbrushes. Megan's going back scanning through the episode trying to find this. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> so Sorry, I got distracted. Um, I will guess four paintbrushes. Aaron, did you give an answer? I didn't. I was going to guess three. <laughs> guess who's correct? Aaron? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, and that's a total guess, because I didn't even notice paintbrushes. <laughs> I didn't either. <laughs> so. I mean, well, it's obvious she was painting, you know. So. Yeah. Um, okay, question number four. What color was Kirk's makeup container on his dresser? I think it was red. I was going to go with like a beige brown. Guess who's correct? Erin, <laughs> of course she is. Yep. Mm. You know, at this point, it doesn't even matter if she asks questions. <laughs> she has seven and a half points to my one and you're none. This is fantastic. <laughs> We've already lost the game, Megan. Yeah, we've already lost. There's no point in even continuing. 
Oh, come on. <laughs> no, 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 keep keep going. Let's go. Okay. See how much loss I lose by. Yeah, let's see how bad we lose by. Um, We're going for second. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, I will say the only reason I even had a guess there is because I remember thinking, I wonder what's in the gray container that he didn't open. So, <laughs> okay. We're going to address this later in the episode. Um, at least I am. Okay, question number five. Uh, which shoulder does Spock do the Vulcan death grip on Kirk? His right. Yeah, Kirk's right. Yes, that's correct. All right. I'm not even keeping score. I forgot to keep score. So <laughs> <laughs> one of you guys are going to have to let me know where we are. <laughs> um, Aaron has eight and a half and I have two. Okay. Well, I will still ask my questions because okay. you guys need to get some points on the board here. All right. Is there a prize for coming in second? (laughs) Well, there's not even a prize for coming in first, so. Other than your pride. Yeah. Yeah. Bragging rights. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Well, thankfully, none of you guys asked my questions because I only have five of them. So, all right. We are going to go back to the scene where uh, Scotty and Wilson are beaming Fisher up from the planet. And uh, the thing that Scotty says that Megan didn't ask about is what kind of uh, malfunction did Scotty say the transporter glitch looked like? Oh man, I didn't write that down. You wrote down everything else from that. I know! (laughs) (laughs) And I even remember it being said and I I don't remember what it was. That's a really bad malfunction. That's my answer. Okay. I don't know. I don't remember. Alright, well... He said it looked like a burnout. Oh, well, that's an easy answer. What? <laughs> I remember that. I don't know what a burnout means, but, you know, it sounded like he knew what he was talking about. So, Okay. So there are a few times we see Kirk and Spock in the conference room. Uh, there's one time where Kirk is sitting on the furthest side away from the camera and Spock is sitting closer to the camera. There is a computer terminal beside Spock. How many switches did it have on the terminal? I think there were four in the little ones that he was, he was flipping on and off, but I didn't catch all of them on the terminal. I wish that we could see each other <laughs> when asking these things. Because <laughs> why? If you could see my face, you'd know immediately I, I got nothing. I didn't even <laughs> pay any attention to that. Well, Sarah, you are correct. There were four. All right. One point. On the board. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Uh, For question number three, in one of the scenes where we see Sulu and the other men on the planet, uh, Sulu is using phasers to warm up rocks to get some heat. And he says, um, how many of the phasers are still functioning? I think two. Yeah, I think, I think, well, yeah, I think Sarah's correct. Okay, well, I had three as the answer. Um, hopefully I didn't write that down incorrectly. <laughs> well, I mean, that would make sense if Sulu's is one of those, so. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he said one is already, you know, broken and we still have three remaining. Okay. Well, I mean, I don't have it written down, yeah, so. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. 
also down on the planet, but this time at the beginning of the episode, there's a tent set up uh, where they're collecting samples. What three colors are on the tent? I did write this down because I thought it was so <laughs> weird and random. Uh, orange, blue, and green. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is correct. I also thought it was kind of random. Okay. And for my final question, number five, uh, after the two Kirks have battled in the engineering section and one blows a hole in a panel, uh, Scotty says, which circuit is completely gone from the transporter? I did write that down. I actually did write this down too. I don't know why, but I did. Um, the abort control circuit? Mm-hmm. That is correct. It's the only thing in my notes that you guys asked a question about. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that means we asked some uh, interesting questions. So um, at the end of that, um, Sarah, you have three points. Megan has four points. And I have eight and a half. Well, at least I saved some of my dig- dignity on that one. <laughs> zero. <laughs> yes, you definitely got some points and got on the board. So that's good. All right. Well, Aaron's up to 18 wins now. <laughs> Good grief. All right. So now we are going to talk about the latest listener quiz question. Uh, Over on our social media pages, I posted this question. In the Enterprise episode, Breaking the Ice, we see a Vulcan ship, the Tamur. What class was it? Now we had uh, three people get this question correct. It was a Surak class ship. And those three people um, over on Twitter, we had Beard, get that correct. Um, on Instagram, we had Mike Lavoie. And uh, on Facebook, we had uh, my brother Mark Brown with a lucky guess. So uh, congratulations to you three guys over there. I keep saying this is posted on our social media pages, but where are those? We do have our Twitter, which is at Tribbles Podcast. And we have our Facebook page and group for Tribbles and Transporters. And then we also have our Instagram, which is the Tribbles and Transporters podcast Instagram page. Our listener quiz questions will be posted over there. We also post announcements for uh, episodes being published. And we like to interact with you guys. So if you want to give us a follow over there, uh, comment. We'd love to hear any comments you have. And just look forward to sharing our love of Star Trek with you. All right, guys, we're going to try a picture on this. Let's get everybody one, please. Pictures up. Pictures up. Let's roll sound. Rolling. Rolling. Sound speed. Camera speed. Take two. Mark. And action. All right. So before we get into talking about the episode itself, we're going to do a little bit of the behind the scenes stuff. And we're going to start with the writers. And this episode was written by Richard Matheson and Gene Roddenberry, of course. This was Richard's first and only episode he ever wrote of Star Trek. His main influence for writing it was the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde set in uh, sci-fi is what he envisioned for this one. When he wrote his script, he did not originally include the subplot of Sulu and the three other crew members stranded on the planet. That was added in by uh, other staff members in the rewrites. 
He actually did not like B-plots, and he thought that they distracted from the main storyline, so he wasn't, he wasn't very pleased that uh, Gene added that in. And on the more disturbing side of things, uh, Grace Lee Whitney, who played uh, Yeoman Rand, said that when she when they were filming the scene of Kurt essentially trying to rape her, um, she was having a hard time getting into the emotions of the character and acting really tearful and distraught. And so William Shatner apparently came up with a solution to slap her, like for real. And so that's what he did to draw out the, the emotion for her in the scene. So there you go. The director of this episode was Leo Penn. He just like uh, Matheson writing. This is the only episode of Star Trek that he ever worked on. And of course, it was filmed on the Desilu Studio stages 9 and 10, currently known as the Culver Studios in Culver City, California. This episode was released on October 6, 1966. It got to the UK and West Germany in 70 and 72 and did not make it to France or Hungary until, well, 1986 and then 1997. So they had to wait a really long time Goodness. To, hmm. get, to get the original series, apparently. All right. Well, we also have a fairly um, succinct list of guest stars for this episode. Um, we do have uh, four gentlemen that I wanted to bring up here. Uh, we had Edward Madden, who played geological technician Fisher, and uh, he appeared uh, in a couple of other places in the original series. Um, he filmed scenes for The Cage for the original pilot, and then those scenes were reused in The Menagerie Parts 1 and 2. Um and then as far as other roles, uh, he had other guest starring roles on TV shows such as The Fugitive, uh, Death Valley Days, and Cimarron Strip. And then uh, we have Garland Thompson, who was Wilson. And uh, he also appeared in the episode Charlie X for the original series. Now, he then went on to have other roles in TV and some movies. He was in South Pacific. The Lieutenant, a couple episodes of Perry Mason, uh, Hazel, and Bewitched. And then going on to uh, Jim Goodwin, he played John Farrell, who was the bridge officer. He appeared in three different TOS uh, episodes, uh, this one as well as Mud's Women and Miri. But he was in a lot of other uh, TV series, uh, including things like uh, Starlight Theater, Studio One, Crossroads, uh, The Silent Service, Trackdown, Dennis the Menace, uh, Perry Mason, Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, The Fugitive, Laredo, uh, Kolchak, The Night Stalker, Little House on the Prairie, and Chips. And he was also in some movies and uh, TV movies. And then one last guy to mention was Don Eitner. Uh, he was the body double for Kirk in this episode. So there were a few times where they showed, um, rather than just cutting between scenes of uh, Kirk face on, we did see two full body Kirks. So uh, that was this guy. Um, and he also played in the episode Charlie X. He was the navigator for the Enterprise. Um, 
Elsewhere, he appeared in lots of other TV shows such as uh, 12 O'Clock High, The Fugitive, Lost in Space, Mission Impossible, Mannix, uh, Columbo, The Rock- Rockford Files, MASH, Canon, and Dynasty. But other than that, those were our guest stars for this episode. Dr. McCoy seemed to think that I should check on you. That's nice. Come on, Spark, I know that look. What is it? Well, our good doctor said that you were acting like a wild man, demanded brandy. (laughs) Our good doctor's been putting you on again. All right, so we are going to start episode discussion with the open teaser, as usual. The Enterprise is on a geological exploration of the planet Alpha-177. Geological technician Fisher is injured after a fall and transported aboard the Enterprise, though Chief Engineer Scott has some trouble with the transporter. The transporter equipment appears to be fine, but he notices some magnetic dust from ore samples covering Fisher's uniform that may have interfered with the transport. The transporter appears to be working correctly, but Kirk experiences some disorientation, and Scott escorts Kirk out of the transporter room. While unsupervised, the transporter activates a second time, materializing a second version of Kirk, which behaves more maliciously than his counterpart. We had a lot happen in this teaser. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I remember when I watched it, I was like, and it it cut to the opening credits. I was like, that hasn't happened yet? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay, the weird dog thing. (laughs) <laughs> i know i just had to laugh Bless it's hard <laughs> yeah i had seen pictures of that that poor little dog uh so much but i didn't know what episode it came from so when i saw mm-hmm. it i was like oh that's the one i wanted to find out like what breed of dog it was and couldn't find it i mean it mm. looks like a, some kind of yorkie no it's way too big for a yorkie yeah i don't know it could just be a mutt you know yeah it was a good dog, though. It just chilled out mm-hmm. while random people held it. Okay, um, well, on that. <laughs> so, um, I found out in doing research today that the dog was given a sedative about no. an hour before filming to make it calm so that it would be fine with the various people holding it. Um, then, for it to become the evil dog, it was starved for 24 hours. Oh, oh my gosh. And then prodded with a stick to make it aggressive. And so I was, all, of, all of this was done before um, yeah, like industry rights. guidelines were yeah. established for am- animals. So, this mm. is like that what didn't happen for another few years. Well, so, yeah, it, that, I was I was watching that, like it getting really vicious. And I was like, how in the world did they make it do that? Yeah. You know, well, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, you, you can train animals to to act aggressive on command and stuff like that. But yeah. Oh, that's not nice Terrible. to know. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh it makes you very gosh. glad that the industry standards have changed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you have that and then you have uh, William Shatner slapping an actress. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, what the heck was going on on set? This is crazy. Uh, yeah, there there were a few things about that uh, scene with uh, Yeoman Rand that I'm going to bring up later. Cause yeah, <laughs> we'll get to it. But, oh my gosh. So did y'all, did, the first thing when I'm watching this, outside of the random colored <laughs> tent, um, was you see Captain Kirk, and I was like, there is no insignia on his uniform. 
Well, I noticed it when he being back from the transporter. I thought it was just uh, the, the weird thing that happened when he transported back. And uh-uh. for some reason, he doesn't uh-uh. have a symbiote, but... Um, it was not on the planet either. So I was like, weird. who messed up in production? That's funny. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, it just it randomly appears back on his uniform top when he goes into his quarters. And then it's there for the rest of the episode. Huh. Well, I have the episode pulled up now, and on the first scene, yeah, there's no insignia on his uniform. Weird. (laughs) Wow. Because I remember going, that looks weird. (laughs) There's there's something missing. He has no insignia. What? (laughs) (laughs) That's really funny, because I did notice later when um, he's wearing the green, like, wrap tunic, the he has the insignia but it's down on the belt portion mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i noticed that but i didn't notice not having it at all in that scene and that's not only on the belt portion but it's turned sideways too yes. yeah they're not very professional these starfleet officers right so <laughs> well, not a uniform not proper uniforms so I that th- tunic was made for this episode to differentiate between the good captain and the evil captain. And it's used later. Like, it was not the first time that I'd seen Kirk in this yeah. uniform top. So, But this was, it was created specifically for this episode. Okay. Well, he has these weird wrap tops that he wears occasionally. This isn't the only episode he's worn something like that. Yeah. And I, I took the sideways insignia, like, I thought it was the end of the belt. Like, it was supposed to be like that on that top. But I've never seen the Star Trek insignia like sideways like that. That seems like it would be improper or something. Yeah, you know, I don't know. Anyway, that that's weird that that was <laughs> random. I also thought it was really weird that the um, transporter just operated on its own. <laughs> yeah, I didn't understand anything about what was going on with the transporter and these evil twin things. I. It, of course, it's a plot part. Of, I, you know, I don't. I, I didn't even try to follow it. I was like, I don't understand what's going on. I, I understand the gist of it, but yeah, trying to understand the science behind it. If there was any science behind it, I'm not even sure they fully tried to explain it in this episode. But yeah, I did. I thought that too. I was like, why the heck did the transporter just activate by itself? Yeah, mm. unless this evil. I don't know. Like it had to have something to do with the rest of the plot, right? Of yeah. Why this was happening? I I took it as it was just kind of a delayed reaction of when this happened. Um, it just whatever kinda, the malfunction was. Yeah, like he half materialized, and then maybe the command to materialize was still running through the system, and finally it it came through and materialized the rest of him yeah but it's just so like so what it didn't materialize his personality (laughs) like what because his full body was there yeah so that doesn't i I don't know like i didn't i didn't follow any of what that what the heck was supposed to be going on with this yeah they they never fully explained it but just that it kind of split him so but it just split his personality though his body was not right so it split it just used the pattern of the body it had, I guess, to materialize a second body. I don't know. So you could just like make <laughs> it's weird, like some weird random stuff happens like this on Star Trek, and it's like, oh, 
we just figured out how to time travel. Oh, we just figured out how to make clones of everybody, <laughs> you know? And then like nothing happens with it, you know? Yeah, there's lots of stuff that could be misused, but thankfully they just seem to forget about it. What did you guys think about the antenna on the dog? <laughs> <laughs> I kept waiting for somebody to get poked with it. Yeah. They look like those Christmas straws. I was going to say, it looked like straws. (laughs) Yeah, it did. (laughs) I wonder if that's where they got the bunny corn idea from from Picard, you know, with the single horn on the bunny. Yeah, who knows? And then the, he had like a Klingon Ridgeback too. Yeah. That would be a great Halloween costume for a dog. (laughs) I'm I'm sure sure it's been done. Yeah. Yeah. It's too iconic for it not to have been done. All right. Well, um, this evil Kirk begins to wander the ship, and um, those he encounters are confused by his behavior. Scott assists by beaming a dog-like animal specimen from the planet, but two identical creatures materialize, the good one and the evil one, kind of like Kirk. One completely docile, and the other one is vicious. Scott surmises that the ore dust has caused the transporter to... The Ordes has caused it? Okay. Uh, to split the personalities. This is weirder than I thought it was. <laughs> um, okay, so the Ordes has caused the transporter to split the personalities of those they beamed up, creating good and evil counterparts. Scott reports this to Mr. Spock and then orders the transporter taken out of service to investigate, stranding the landing party on the planet as a bitterly cold night sets in. Elsewhere on the ship, the good Kirk begins to feel uncertain and struggles to make decisions. The evil Kirk, in a drunken state, sexually assaults Yeoman Janice Rand in her quarters. She scratches his face with her fingernails. When Fisher witnesses this and calls security, the evil Kirk attacks and knocks him out. Rand reports the incident to the bridge. The good Kirk orders the crew to capture the evil Kirk. But Spock advises Kirk to keep his evil half a secret so the crew doesn't lose their faith in him. And the crew are instead told of an imposter recognizable by the scratches on his cheek. Yeah, and this section has a lot of the things that I started to think, okay, there's some some plot points here that they could have taken advantage of and didn't, or things that stood out that I'm like, how is nobody recognizing this? So like you mentioned that they came up with the uh, wrap tunic for Kirk so that we, we could tell apart the evil Kirk and the good one. Mm-hmm. How did nobody else notice that? Right. Like nobody else mentioned, oh, you changed your your tunic. Like, I saw you do such and such, but you've changed your tunic now so that they could put two and two together. And as far as putting two and two together, like, we already had the the weird instance of Kirk bursting into sickbay and demanding brandy and, right. you know, basically tackling McCoy to get it. And so Spock has already been alerted that something weird is going on. And then we go into the transporter room and Scotty shows them the dog that has been duplicated only with personality issues. And then we have Kirk reacting like, oh no. So I thought, okay, they've realized what's happened and, you know, they're, they're going to act on it. But then that's never followed up on. 
it, it's almost like they just forgot the whole incident with the brandy. Well, Spock yeah. didn't because he eventually did bring up the only logical answer is there's an imposter on board. Which... Well, yeah, but eventually, mm-hmm. like it, it wasn't the very next scene. Kirk goes, okay, well, if the dog was duplicated, maybe I was duplicated. And that's why yeah. McCoy told you I went into sickbay. Yeah, I was kind of surprised they didn't put two and two together <laughs> as yeah. well. The first question I have about this part of the episode is why is Yeoman Rand just casually chilling out in Kirk's quarters when he comes back? Does that seem a little inappropriate or something? Well, yeah, I thought so too, but then she was sitting at his desk and where she's basically his assistant. Yeah. I wondered if maybe that's like, you know, something she normally does is she would be at his desk leaving him messages and and stuff like that. I but yes, it was weird. I mean if 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 her position is more like a personal assistant slash admin assistant, it's not that weird. Well I guess he doesn't have a ready room, does he? On this show? No. No. Not that I've seen. He's always in a conference room if he's not mm-hmm. on the bridge. Mm. Yeah, maybe I'm just thinking about it in terms of like TNG, where it would be weird if there was somebody in Picard's quarters, you know? Yeah. Like that. <laughs> but like, I, I could understand maybe in his ready room or something, you know, if he has an assistant, not in his like personal quarters. Well, I thought it was odd that they had Brandy in sickbay. Yeah. Yeah. Although, you know, if you go back to older medical practices, you know, I guess sometimes you would use it for for treatment, but that would be strange in Star Trek, I think. Yeah, it's not the 19th century yeah. anymore. Now, it's it's totally not weird that McCoy would have it. Like if it was in McCoy's desk or something, I could totally see that. It is in the workplace though? Like yeah. in sick bay? Two bottles of it. Or two bottles of some type of alcohol. Yeah, like it is quarters, sure, but yeah. I did think it was a little weird that we see Yeoman Rand's crew number, like where on the ship her her quarters are, mm-hmm. um, which according to the door plate is on deck three. But later, when Fisher is running to go get call for help, he calls from deck twelve. It's like what? <laughs> Could have sworn that said three, but okay. Well, the set designers weren't paying attention, just like the costume designers were on this <laughs> episode. <laughs> Yeah, I had to laugh, though, because, like, when, uh, in the scene where they had the dog in, um, I guess a train, I guess it was a transport room, whatever room where the dog was caged, like, mm-hmm. the evil dog, Scotty was holding, like, the docile one, and it was, like, turning its head, and, like, the head was turning, but the costume wasn't turning with it. It was, like, the weirdest <laughs> looking thing ever. <laughs> it's turning inside its skin. <laughs> they tried, guys. They tried. Yeah. No CGI back then. All right, let's talk about Rand. Yeah, that was that was a crazy scene. Yeah, um, I was surprised. I was sitting there going, "Oh my gosh, this was is too. intense for 1960s yeah. television prime time." Yeah, I can't believe they allowed this scene to air back then. Yeah, what really kind of caught my ear was when they were in sick bay and Rand was relating what happened, you know, there, she kind of struggles with 
with even saying what happened, which I can totally understand that. Mm -hmm. Um, But then she says, basically, well, I mean, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even say anything if, you know, if Fisher hadn't seen, because I mean, I wouldn't want to get you in trouble and Mm -hmm. all this kind of stuff. And I thought, ugh. Yeah. Well, that's all. I have a feeling that's that's the way a lot of women feel in that situation, though, especially if they've had any sort of feelings, you know, between them and that other person. I mean, I've heard women who were like abused say that. Yeah. It's just it just struck me odd, though. Like, yeah, I know. I agree. I was kind of taken aback by that line, too. Well, I think more because it was there's a lot of talk about what it means to be a captain and how the crew views you and that sort of thing in this episode. And in fact, I think that just jogged what I was going to say earlier about Spock saying, you know, hey, don't let the crew know this is your evil side and and your good side. It seems strange, like, why not just say, hey, there's a transporter malfunction and there's an extra Kirk? Mm-hmm. You don't have to say, oh, by the way, it's his evil nature that's running yeah. around. <laughs> right. Just say, yes, there was a transporter malfunction and there's another Kirk. Like, why did we have to have this whole, like, the the crew will lose faith in you if they know that this is, you know, the part of you that you hide and all this kind of stuff. But then with Rand, her saying that, like, basically, I didn't get the sense that it was because, oh, because I'm your friend, or because I kind of knew it wasn't really you, and I don't want to get the the real you in trouble. It was like, because you're the captain, mm-hmm. I wouldn't tell. And that, I mean... I know that those kinds of things I have also heard of of women who have been in these kind of positions and they don't want to tell because they're like I don't I don't want to make a scene because of who this person is more because it would be a you know they'd just be crushed <laughs> as yeah, opposed to actually job, making lose, an impact. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean that's what the whole me too movement's been right. about. Yeah. You know? And so I guess it it was good in a sense to see it in there because that is a real reaction that some women have. And I, I guess my, my point is to bring attention to that of understanding where women who go through this sort of thing are. I mean, I can't even imagine. Yeah. And to to know all the confusion that would be going through your head. But I would, I would think me personally, I would want to say that protecting someone because, oh, I don't want to ruin their position. I mean, if you're protecting someone because of some connection to them, or it would have a backlash on you that would just cause more trouble. I, I can understand that part but it just didn't sit right with me where it was like, oh, no, you're in a position that I I don't want to ruin that for you. Yeah, yeah, but I, I also thought that there was some element of personal feeling in there because, mm. I mean, they're 
I, I think what you're saying is absolutely true. I think that's part of it, but I just, because they've been hitting at a, some sort of attraction between these two, I don't know mm-hmm. whether they're in a relationship or not, but mm-hmm. I just, I just thought that they, they had feelings somewhat towards mm-hmm. each other, even if they didn't act on them, you know? And I, I thought that there would be some personal affection kind of mixed in with that. This would be her first time experiencing Kirk acting like this, and sh- maybe she's confused. It doesn't really know what to think of it, you know. And it's just it's a bizarre situation. Mm. Yeah, I I don't know. It's this really, yeah, really tricky. <laughs> the, yeah, and stuff. I even feel weird saying anything about it because I do not know what this. Thankfully, I do right. not know what this feels like, and. I don't want anyone to take it as me saying you're doing the wrong thing by making your own choice. If this has happened to you and you're making a choice not to talk about it, then, you know, you you have to make that decision for yourself because I I can't even begin to fathom it. I, I don't want you to take it as me <laughs> telling you what right. to do because that would not be my place. Yeah. I mean, as as a daughter of a law enforcement officer, I would, if men or women, if that's something you have experienced, please report it. Um, please get help. And if at all possible, get out of that situation. It may be incredibly difficult and hopefully will be much better for you in the long run. Because unfortunately, on this type of crime, especially in the United States, there is a statute of limitations on stuff like this. And I'm all for having someone come to justice on stuff like this. So if at all possible, take someone with you if you don't feel comfortable doing that by yourself. But please go to law enforcement if you can. Well, the other thing to keep in mind is who was writing this script. (laughs) Yeah, this is not, I mean, this is back in the era where this was considered as, I mean, look at the serial um, killers and rapists of the time that this was, women brought this on themselves. So yeah. Well, I mean, look, I don't know. Matheson, you know, wrote this uh, with, I'm sure, input from Gene Roddenberry. I mean, I don't know exactly what their takes were on it, but there were what really bothered me wasn't so much that part. It was later on in the episode. We have Spock at the end. Yeah, well, that. But also, you have Kirk asking, Can I come visit you in your quarters later? And she says, Yes. Yeah. Mm. Uh, after what just happened. And. I, yeah, I was really confused by that. I, I would have absolutely said no. See, that that's why I think there's a little bit of like personal attraction with him or, or affection with him because she is allowing him to come visit her again. Yeah. You know, which is weird after what just happened. Like for her to trust him like that, I don't know. And And I know he was trying to sell it as it wasn't me and – you know, all of that. But at that point, you really don't know what's going on. Yeah. And, you know, I that was weird. And then Spock, at the very end, just like what you said, Megan, where, what does he say? He was like, the imposter had some interesting qualities. Yeah. I was like, what the heck? And he does it like, uh, like, oh, yeah, we're, what, you know, were you attracted to that or whatever? Like, he had like that kind of uh implication with it what he said mm. and that was the most disturbing out of all of this to me and had like this leer on his face it was yeah like, yeah, uh, like my, when i when that happened i was like a man wrote this it was that that kind of like 
Yeah, didn't you, didn't of, you kind of like it, you know? And yeah. It was no. Like, <sighs> yeah. And she just kind of gave him a little dirty look and walked off. But <laughs> I was like, yeah, that was way out of line yeah. from Spock of all people. Like, Spock's thinking that way? Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And to, I, I guess the only message I could get out of it was you you need the whole person because obviously that is not something that Captain Kirk as a whole person would ever have done. And so whether that's what they were trying to say was, yes, we all have this this evil nature, but under control and and some of it like i don't know some of what they were saying about you need this this evil side to be part of you because it it gives you this and that and it gives I thought, you strength yeah and i thought hmm i don't know like to to say okay well one side is the forceful side and one side is the the compassionate side if they had worded it that way or looked at it that way, I could say, okay, yes, you need the strong side and the soft side together. But to say you need the evil side struck me odd. Yeah, I don't know. It was like some weird Freudian stuff they were trying to get into here. And I didn't follow. I, again, yeah, I I felt the same way. I was like, okay, so your evilness brings out your strength. But uh, Scott, or not Scotty, uh, Spock, you know, said when properly controlled and disciplined, you know, then it can, I guess that's what makes you strong is when it's properly controlled and disciplined is how he put it. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't understand. I didn't understand this. I didn't understand how the transporter, apparently the magic <laughs> dust that they <laughs> beamed up caused all of this, you know, to ha- split of personalities. Like what the heck is going on in this episode? <laughs> Yeah, it it was a bit of a strange one. And like I say, it it's not a bad story. Um it had good points to it, but there were just some of those odd moments where like you had some action of this going on and it it looks like okay, because this happened, they're going to figure it out. And then they would just go into this slow moment of Oh well, we can't let anybody know what's going on because they'll they'll lose faith in you. And then they would like totally not progress the story for a little while. Yeah. I did have the thought like in watching this of like, okay, so if this had happened on Next Generation, Captain Picard would have been immediately relieved of command. <laughs> it yeah. did happen on Next Generation. Well, they they had an episode like They did, this. but not but not like not this. So it was that was a Picard from the future, which ended no, up having no, no, it was it, this was a it was in the episode Allegiance. Uh, it, there, I know which episode you're talking about. There was two. Okay, there are two episodes in TNG like really? this. Really? Okay, maybe. Yeah, I'm not seeing there's one of them. there's another one in Allegiance, and he's not supposed to be necessarily evil like Kirk, but he does a lot of weird stuff that the regular Picard wouldn't do. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. I remember that. Um, Okay. Yeah. When Picard is kidnapped and then the aliens replace him. Yeah. Yeah. He does end up getting relieved of duty because he starts issuing dangerous orders um, that the crew don't want to follow. But I'm more thinking like if, if, if this had happened on Next Generation, this exact thing to where we know that the that Spock knows and Scotty knows 
that there is an evil Kirk and a good Kirk on board the ship. You, they would immediately relieve the good Picard of command. Riker would take over and there would be an immediate search for this other one. Yeah. Like it wouldn't be like, okay, let's, and it would be like, this is why we relieved Picard of command. I don't agree with you on that. I don't think they would. Oh, I I think they totally would. I don't think Picard would. I think it would have been an explanation to the crew of this is what's happened. Like same thing, like when Picard was, had the transport accident and became a teenager, like they told everybody, this is still Captain Picard. He's just in a kid form. That's a little different, though. Than- but like, but no, it's still like the whole issue of not telling the crew what's going on for fear of them getting a yeah. negative image of the captain. Is well, no, that was weird. No, yeah, no, I thing. don't, I don't think they would have done that on TNG. I just don't know if they would have relieved Picard of duty, but I think they would have been honest with the crew about what, what was going on. Oh, he would have been relieved because he was indecisive, couldn't make a decision. Well, at that point, yes, but they didn't know about that until later on in the episode. But I, I agree with you. Actually, when when Kirk started not being able to make decisions, um, that's when I thought, yeah, if this was on TNG, Picard might be relieved of duty. I don't know. And the Spock goes into like these emotional monologues about evil, good and evil sides of things. And it's, it's like the, the plot was a good idea of having an evil Kirk you know, beamed on the Enterprise, but first of all, come up with a plausible explanation as to why it's happening, You're not some, <laughs> not magic dust. And then, I don't know, like the way that they just implemented the the whole thing just did not work. Mm. I, they were they were obviously trying to do something with this good versus evil within you thing, and I just don't know what exactly they were trying to communicate, other than we all have some potential evil in us, but we have to learn how to control that. And that was that's what makes us strong. <laughs> it's basically what I got from it. So yeah, that and you know, evil people wear eyeliner. Yep, <laughs> and make and makeup apparently too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, why does Kirk have makeup in his and quarters? Sweat. <laughs> well, I was I was very confused because now obviously this is because I'm I'm sure they probably had one uh, quarters set and they just changed the furniture around. But I thought Kirk had gone back to Rand's quarters mm-hmm. because he had the same, like the the mirror was the same, yeah. and oh, okay. it was like that would be why it was was there was makeup there and that sort of thing. But no, like it is Kirk's quarters that he's yeah. in. I noticed that too, and it's something I f- I forget how it came up, but like it was mentioned or something that he came out of his quarters or something like that. So yeah, it was definitely Kirk had makeup, which maybe Yeoman Rand left it in there. I wonder for visits. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there's lots of men out there who wear makeup. It's not. Oh, there's a ton of them oh, on yeah. YouTube. Well, yeah, on YouTube, but, but I mean like to, to wear some concealer or something like that. I don't think it would be, I guess as uncommon or it's probably getting more common, but yeah, that it did strike me odd for being on Star Trek. Like, Oh, so Kirk has makeup in his, in his quarters. That's interesting. So before we get too far ahead in this discussion, that is the next paragraph that we need to read. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So speaking of makeup, uh, when the the evil Kirk hears his announcement and uses the makeup to uh, mask his 
uh, scratch injury. He secures a phaser from a security officer, Wilson, uh, before going into hiding in engineering, putting himself in his shoes. A good Kirk anticipates this move. While the two Kirks scuffle, Spock disables the evil Kirk with a Vulcan nerve pinch. Spock and McCoy recognize that both Kirks are mentally deteriorating, and they must find a way to reverse the transport accident to save them, as well as the landing party. Spock and Scott use power from the ship's impulse drive to reverse the transporter on the dog-like specimen. When it materializes, the creature is whole, but dead. Spock suggests that it died because his animal brain could not handle the stress of his two halves being reintegrated, but thinks Kirk will be able to survive the same procedure. While Dr. McCoy insists that they can't take the risk that the death was caused by an ongoing transporter malfunction. Yeah, um... I did like that Spock did have the good Kirk go, look, this is you. So if we were going to try to find you or you're, where would you go to not be found? I like mm. that that approach was taken of like, put your, put yourself in your own shoes. Where would you go to hide? But that was like the only time that that was done yeah. <laughs> in this whole episode. So I wish that maybe that had been approached a little bit more. And this scene down in engineering, this was the first time that the Vulcan nerve pinch was filmed. You know, this episode, um, like most of the, you know, first few episodes of the first season were aired out of order of how they were filmed. So we saw the nerve pinch in the previously aired episode, but this was actually the first time it was filmed. Was this the first time uh, McCoy said he's dead, Jim? Yep. Which this is also the first time for that. Which is really funny because it's about a dog. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I did have to laugh at that. Um, I was like, oh, one of his uh, many, many he's dead gems was a dog. The first of many. <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't know whether it was the first or not, but uh, yeah, <laughs> that is funny. One of the things that we haven't talked much about was the the landing party down on the planet Gosh, just about to bring it yeah. up <laughs> because the the whole idea of well you know it gets really really cold down there and we can't use the the transporter first of all i kept thinking well why not just send a shuttle down and then i was like oh wait the whole reason the transporter was devised was because it was too expensive for them to do the shuttle going down oh, to, to land the planet the ship. seems. Yeah. So, okay, that's why they don't have shuttles yet. And then, you know, I thought, okay, well maybe there's there would be a way like to use a probe casing to send supplies down to them or something. Oh wait, this is first season original series. They don't have that yet. So that that's where some of my I had to take myself out of the mindset of knowing yeah. future Star Trek. <laughs> um, but Yeah, shuttlecraft weren't even introduced in this series until episode 16. Yeah. I mean, it, it was originally supposed to be shuttlecraft all the time, but they weren't given the budget to do shuttle like landing sequences and stuff. I did have a thought like when Sula was occasionally, you know, checking in, basically going, hey, we're st- we're still yeah. <laughs> here. We're really cold, guys. Like, at one point when they said it had dropped to 41 degrees below zero, I was like, they would already be dead. Yes. Like, I know. There would be no phasering of the rocks would keep them alive. No. Long enough. That exposed. Yeah, he wasn't even acting that cold. No. <laughs> I was yeah. like, what the heck? 
Well, and the and then it the, eventually gets down to one hundred seventeen degrees. Yeah, <laughs> below zero. So it's like, I'm like, yeah, he would, they'd be frozen solid. Like, yes. One thing I kept thinking was, okay, even after you know what happens when you use the transporter, okay, they get split into two. Yeah, trans- transport some coats down to them. Well, they they did say they transported some heaters down and they got duplicated and wouldn't work. So maybe they did try stuff like that. But still, the thing that I thought was, okay, you've got issue. If we beam them up, they're going to get split in two. But we can probably reverse that because we think we can do that with Kirk. Or they're definitely going to freeze to death. I think I would beam them up. Yeah. You'd have to definitely like restrain the evil ones, though. Yeah, but that would be better than... Well... I guess they were, you know, playing with the whole what temperatures actually do. Because, (laughs) I mean, like you said, if they were even at, I think the first time they talked to Sulu, it was what, 10 below zero? 20. 20. Okay. Like those uniforms must really have a massive range of what weather conditions they can deal with. Because he was, he was shivering. But he wasn't wrapped up in the tent material yet. And, you know, there was no frost or anything like that. But still, it's like, hmm. I I don't know whether they're saying this is Fahrenheit or Celsius, but either, either one. Way, yeah. You would be in major, major problems if you were in minus 20 in basically a long sleeve shirt and pants. So I just Googled, um, how long can you survive in minus 20? Um, it says on here with just light clothing and a windbreaker, a person would likely die within two to six hours. Yeah. <laughs> like within 10 minutes you have, you're in hypothermia. Yeah. So yeah. It's <laughs> I mean, I remember times where, when I was a kid, we would have, now being in Canada, we were using Celsius. So it, we had wind chills of minus 40. And, you know, they were on the radio advising you, like, if you don't, if you don't have to go outside, it's best not to. And if you do have to, cover up as much of your skin as possible so that you don't get have like skin irritation or even frostbite so yeah to be at minus 20 even and in basically yeah long sleeve shirt pants non-insulated boots they would be in major trouble (laughs) well you know on star trek they never um wear any coats or anything they always just beam down in their regular uniforms and it's fine you know (laughs) everywhere Basically, it wasn't really until Enterprise, I don't think, um, that they started wearing coats. Because <laughs> <You know? laughs> the last episode of Breaking the Ice, they actually had uh, proper suits on or whatever. Yeah. But they were on an asteroid, weren't they? They were on a comet, so there was no atmosphere. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, there were some coats in, in Voyager for different things. And, oh, okay. Yeah. I did look up, like, just Googled how long someone could survive at 117 degrees below zero. <laughs> five minutes (laughs) um so the article that came up was talking about how the coldest temperature ever recorded was in 2010 in antarctica 
it was uh, 135.8 degrees below zero in Fahrenheit or minus 93.2 degrees Celsius. And so someone later answered, you know, how long would someone survive in those temperatures? And the answer is about three minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And that tent fabric would not help at all. No. No. Which I also, the the wardrobe thing that I noticed, wardrobe prop, whichever you would call it, um, somehow they managed to duplicate some of the tent fabric because there were only three stripes of color on that tent and there were four men and two of them had blue fabric. So yeah. <laughs> somebody well, doubled the, up the blue, somewhere. Well, the, no, the blue is, because I have a picture of the tent in front of me and the blue is like three times the size of the oh, other was two it? colors. I yeah. thought they were equal, but no. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> it did. It, yeah. Wouldn't have helped at all. All right. Well, uh, wrapping up here with the landing party, nearly dead from hypothermia, <laughs> the good, uh, Kirk opts to gamble on the procedure rather than wait for an autopsy on the creature. When he releases the evil Kirk, his other self overpowers him and gives him facial scratches like his own. Pretending to be the good Kirk, he tells Rand the truth about the imposter and makes a date with her before heading to the bridge. He orders the crew to leave orbit, telling the navigator that the landing party cannot be saved. The good Kirk and McCoy race to the bridge where the two Kirks face off. The good Kirk at last persuades the evil Kirk that they need each other to survive and will both live on as parts of each other. He orders Scott to attempt the reversal process, and Kirk is rejoined as one being. With his sense of command and goodwill restored, and the transporter repaired, Kirk orders the landing party beamed up. They're safe, despite the cold. Rand tells Kirk about her last encounter with evil Kirk, but he cuts her off before she can discuss the issue of his romantic overtures. So I did think it weird that when we... We finally get the stranded crew back on the ship that one McCoy is not more urgently getting these people to sick bay. <laughs> yeah. Um, in fact, he doesn't even go with them. He yeah. just stays. And then <laughs> his diagnosis is that they have severe exposure, frostbite, and he thinks uh, yes. they'll make it. I'm like, so it was are like you, yeah. what? <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah. They may not, but you know. Yeah, it's it's fifty fifty, seventy thirty. It's it's there's odds. <laughs> it just I was like, oh man, I'm so used to the ninety strike where it's much more urgent. Yeah, <laughs> that the the chief medical officer is much more urgently taking care of this crew and more scientific. Than yeah, that too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I will say my thing that I noticed in this segment is we get the evil Kirk overpowers the good Kirk and then he realizes okay now everybody knows that I have a different tunic on so he switches into the green tunic and then when McCoy and good Kirk come to the bridge he's still wearing the green tunic so which Mm -hmm. one stopped by the his quarters to get a new one because I, I assumed that Evil Kirk took the green tunic off of Good Kirk. I would think Good Kirk would either come up in the yellow tunic or, you know, a 
medical smock or something. Um, so that really threw me off. That and the fact that uh, when the two Kirks are facing off on the bridge, the scratches change yeah, sides on his too. face. <laughs> I was like, what the heck? Yeah. Okay. So on that, that was just done in post-production where the the f- image film yeah. was flipped. So. I, I wondered if that was the but, case. Yeah. It was one of those like, let's hope no one notices. <laughs> oh, we things. noticed. Yeah. Yeah. Why was it flipped? I think it was just like positioning of the actors in the scene that they were positioned weird. And so to make it make sense, they had to flip the image. Hmm. That was bad directing then. Yep. Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, Kirk, we have uh, been joined by James Tiberius Cat. Uh, so if you hear any strange noises, that is uh, what's going on there. I was wondering where Ty had been. <laughs> All right. I have just a few more um, behind the scenes things that I'm not already shared. So uh, this episode is the only episode that the showering phaser effect that we see when Sulu is heating the rocks on the planet. It's the only time that this is seen or used. Okay. Nichelle Nichols um, is not in this episode uh, or doesn't appear in this episode, but we hear her over the ship's speakers several times. This uh, episode is the first to have Kirk duplicated in some form or fashion. Um, This happens in two other original series episodes and in Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Mm -hmm. And then um, the last thing that I had not, um, said already was actually about the bottle um, of this that the Sarian brandy was in. That bottle was a modified George Dickel 1964 commemorative edition powder horn whiskey bottle. Okay. So I hmm. thought that was pretty interesting. They got really specific on what that was. That is very specific. All right, so if we're going on to our listener feedback from our previous episodes, uh, I did want to mention an email that we got recently. This was from Chris Conroy. He sent us a a message because he had a question about the uh, quiz section intro song. Uh, He was having a hard time picking out one of the lines of lyrics, and he was able to reach out to us on our email, and we gave him the answer to that. If you are also struggling with that, um, the lyrics are, Got to pay attention. Write down all those star dates. No more than an ensign. Which of the hosts knows more about the show? And of course, that's Aaron. So, yeah, exactly. I thought you were saying it was me singing. I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yes, thank you, Chris, for emailing us. And if you ever do have a question or you want to make a comment, uh, we've also had people uh, comment or, or write to us on our email about um, some other interesting things they found Star Trek wise online or uh, with some suggestions for the podcast. Yes. So we, we had also had a recent email from Andrew Price and he had some suggestions about different episodes that we should 
uh, watch, uh, specifically two from Voyager that he particularly enjoyed and wanted to hear us talk about. And uh, those were Two Vix and Distant Origins, because they had really neat stories and were slightly unnerving. Uh, and I told him I knew exactly which uh, episodes he was talking about, since Voyager is my favorite uh, series. And we will be talking about those as we come to them. It should be quite an interesting discussion. So thank you guys for reaching out to us. Our email address for contacting us directly is uh, tribblespodcast at gmail.com. So if you ever want to reach out that way, or you can find us on social media on Twitter at tribblespodcast on uh, Facebook, where we have a group and page for Tribbles and Transporters podcast, and also on Instagram for Tribbles and Transporters. You can reach out to us, uh, interact with our, our posts about listener questions, and uh, just uh, let us know um, what you enjoy about the show, what you would like to see on the show or hear from us, and uh just generally interact with us about Star Trek. Yeah. And if you want a quick way to all of that stuff, we have the links in the episode description. If you're listening in a podcast app that has that. And uh, I just want to say that uh, I have a uh, YouTube channel called SoGal, and there's a lot of crossover uh, between some of the people that listen to this podcast and watch me there. And I occasionally get comments on my videos uh, saying that people listen to the podcast and they enjoy it and they'll uh, leave specific comments. Like I just had a guy yesterday leave a comment about how Voyager was his favorite uh, series. I said, well, Aaron would be glad to hear about that <laughs> on the on the podcast. And uh, so, yeah, I just want to we just want to say thanks to all of you guys who um, over there on my channel. And uh, if you haven't watch that yeah you can go check it out over there but i do bring up the podcast on my channel just because there are a lot of trekkies that watch my videos too so it's always good to have you guys join in with us and uh i love seeing the crossover between there and here too it's a lot of fun so yeah she does mm -hmm. generally uh history related and culture related content so it's uh it's quite interesting over there all right. Well, on the next uh episode of our podcast we're going to be circling back to tng and the episode we're going to be watching is the season one where no one has gone before. I think this is the one with the Traveler in it, but mm -hmm. I'm not sure. So our first encounter with the Traveler. A very, I think it's a very iconic episode for Next Generation. You think so? How it's, well, I mean, how it overarchs Wesley's character for the show. Yeah. Yeah. That's when we find out Wesley's special for the first time. I mean, if he wasn't already special being a teenager. <laughs> no, but we find out he's extra special. <laughs> No, no, he's for real special. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah, join us for Where No One Has go Gone Before. Is there a TOS episode to kind of name that too? I think so. I don't know. I'd have to look up. I think it's, it may have been Where No Man Has Gone Before on TOS. Oh, could be. Something like that. Uh, actually, yes. It's, there is one called Where No Man Has Gone Before, which yeah. we should have reviewed already. <laughs> oh, did we really? It was, it was episode three, according to IMDb. All right. Wow. <laughs> we have great memories. Oh, yeah. Yes, we, we have done this one. So it was where um, Kirk's best friend gains the psionic powers. 
his eyes go silver. Oh, yeah. It's that episode. I remember that one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I remember the episode. I guess I just didn't remember the title of it. So, all right. Well, we hope you guys will join us next time for that. Thanks for listening, as always, and we'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Geological technician Fisher is inqui- uh, inquired. <laughs> Can't read right now. Geological technician Fisher is injured after a fall and transported aboard the unit. <sighs> you got this. <laughs> the evil Kirk is a drunken state. Sexually is a drunken state. <laughs> the evil. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> the crew to capture the evil Kirk, but at Spock's advice, he keeps the fact that their query has evil. (laughs) These sentences, man. (laughs) But at Spock's advice, he keeps the fact that their query has his evil self. (laughs) Is, is not us. (laughs) I'm combining is is together. Uh, but as Spock's advice, he keeps. <sighs> you can do okay. it. You can do it. You can do it. <laughs> but as Spock, but as Spock, you may do this. <laughs> but this is going to end up in the outtakes. I can feel it. <laughs> I was just thinking, this is this is going there. <laughs> but at Spock's, I can't do it now. <laughs> but at spock's advice he keeps the fact that their quarry is his evil half is that right that sentence does not make sense hang on that's what's throwing me off it doesn't sound right and the crew are instead told of an imposter recognizable by the scratches on his cheek oh gosh You made it. <laughs> Spock and McCoyle. Uh, McCoyle. <laughs> well, the struggle is real for you today. <laughs> Weird. It died because its animal brain could not handle the stress of its two halves being regenerated. Nope. So, uh, reintegrated. <laughs> So Kirk will be able to survive the same. Is that right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Got it. I, I, mean, I was reading along with you and went, what? <laughs> so I don't know where you found this from, but man, they're, they did terrible. Why was it flipped? Uh, ow. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I just slammed my hand down on my desk.